It sure is. Welcome to Sunday Afternoon Schools here and alongside uh, Lior Samfiru from employmentlawyer.ca. Want to reach out to Lior and his team anytime. They're always uh, ready to have that chat with you off air. It's 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But for the purpose of this next hour, bring it on. We are ready to talk to you about employment law, workplace rights. You know the number 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. Here at uh, about four minutes after one, we're we're just going to get warmed up for the hour. You want to text us your questions, you could do 71010 as well. And again, that phone number, 416-872-1010. The website is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That will tell you an incredible amount. Even before you finish listening to this hour of the show, you'll also have access through that website to the severance calculator, which does what it's told and designed to do years ago, and that is calculate the right amount of severance you should be getting in the event that you were let go, and that severance offer is slid across the table towards you. It's not going to be right. So you want to double check it at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But we're gonna we're gonna get to a, a ton of email today in the show. We got to clear out some of the inboxes starting to starting to mount up and uh, build up. So we'll get to that in your phone calls. Firstly, or we always start off with the case of the day. Something you've been working on, pal. What's going on, Johnny? Johnny, great to be mm-hmm. here on this lovely Sunday to talk employment law and to help uh, help all our good listeners know what to do if they're facing a workplace problem. So many of you are not working today. It's Sunday. Uh, but are going back to work tomorrow, and maybe you're a bit apprehensive, or anxious, because something happened, and you're afraid that uh, you're going to get some bad news, or you're dealing with an ultimatum, a bad boss. Well, what do you do about it? How do you make next week better? One way to do it is to call us right now on the show and ask the question. Give me the opportunity to help you if you're facing a workplace dilemma or a bad boss, or maybe you're not going back to work tomorrow because you lost your job. What does that mean and what are you owed? We can talk about all that and so, so much more on the show and want to take those questions. When you call us on the show, not only do I help you, I'm going to help a bunch of other people that may have the exact same issue as you. So do it for yourself. Do it for all our listeners. Let's have that chat. And be on the show, of course, at the office, email, phone number, ready to talk to you as well. But let's start off with something that came across my desk over the past week. Uh, I spoke with a very, very, very kind, very nice lady that's been a good, loyal employee for quite a few years with her employer. Uh, recently, though, uh, she, she felt a bit of a shift in management uh, attitude. And what it meant specifically for her is she was told, you know, and, and her colleagues, it wasn't just her, that we don't think you guys are working hard enough, fast enough. So we need you to all work extra hours to complete the work we need you to complete. And by the way, we're not going to pay you overtime because it's your fault that you're not working hard enough. It's your fault that you have to work those extra hours. If you had worked harder, you wouldn't have had to. So yes, you're going to work overtime hours, but we're not going to pay it. So yeah, of course, for her and I think for her colleagues, that didn't sound right. So she called me and her question to me was very simple. Do they have to pay me overtime? Well, the answer, certainly the initial answer is very easy. Of course they do. If you work overtime, whether it's you work it because they tell you to or you work it because you feel you need to, if you work it, they have to pay you the overtime. They have to pay you time and a half for those overtime hours. It doesn't, uh, they don't have the opportunity to say no. They can't come up with a reason not to pay. They can't blame you for the need to work overtime hours. Your employer has to pay that overtime hours. But it gets a bit more interesting than that. The refusal to pay overtime hours, that refusal could result in a constructive dismissal. If your employer doesn't pay what they owe you, what they are legally required to pay you, that refusal could be considered by you 
as a termination of your employment. By refusing to pay you, you now have the right to say, no employer, I'm not going to continue working in a place that doesn't pay me properly. Instead, I'm going to treat this as a termination. Now you have to pay me severance. So that's what happens when your employer refuses to pay you what they owe you. So she's out overtime. If she wants severance and to move on, she can get that as well. So I'm I'm going to help her move this forward and get what she's owed. But I wanted to remind all our good listeners that uh, certainly when it comes to overtime, if you work more than 44 hours a week, you have to get time and a half. Your employer doesn't get to avoid that. And the refusal to pay you properly vacation pay, properly overtime pay, uh, et cetera, that can result in a constructive dismissal. It's a very basic right that you have, which is to get paid what you are owed. So if you ever find yourself in that situation, you think you're not getting paid properly, let's have a chat about that. You absolutely have rights you can enforce. And I still think people get confused the fact that, oh, yeah, Lior, I'm a salaried employee overtime. What do you mean I get overtime? How do I calculate that? That's right. So it's very easy for hourly, right? You know, you make 20 bucks an hour, your overtime rate is time and a half. That's 30 bucks an hour. There yeah. you go. But if you're on a salary, it's frankly quite as easy, quite easy as well. All you have to do is whatever weekly salary you earn, whatever you earn in a week, you divide that by 44. That gets you, it gets you an hourly wage, time and a half that is your overtime wage. Very simple. So if you're on salary, if you work more than 44 hours a week, that salary doesn't cover it. You need to get time and a half or anything over that. Now, of course, John, we've talked about this before. There's some positions that are exempt from overtime. The biggest category is managers. If you're a manager, generally you're exempt from overtime. Other positions as well, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, accountants, a few other positions as well. But most people, if you are working more than 44 hours a week overtime, uh, then whether you're salary or hourly, you have to get paid. And a reminder, guys, the phone lines are open here. Call us, get on the show, talk to us, 416-872-1010 is how you call into the show. And uh, get on air. I want to get to our first email of the day. Paul says, guys, been on a uh, leave of absence from work uh, for not vaccinating for well over a year uh, and haven't been called back to work. Is there anything that I can do now? You know, it's 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 interesting because even now in the end of 2023, I'm still getting emails from people that have been on a leave for a year, two years even, and have not heard back from their employer. Employer is still keeping them on leave. Well, guess what? That leave was probably illegal to begin with. But put that aside for a second. At some point over the past year or two, uh, when there's no more vaccine mandates, there's no more vaccine uh, requirements, et cetera, it became completely unreasonable for your employer to keep you off work because of your vaccine status. So anyone that's still off work because of their vaccine status has a very simple, I would say, choice to make. Option number one is you sit at home and you wait and you twiddle your thumbs and hope that at some point someone calls you. I think that's a silly thing to do at this point. The other option is to say, enough is enough. You didn't call me back to work. You could have, you've had ample opportunity I am now considering myself as being terminated. Now I get my full severance. So there's no point waiting anymore. It's, it's, you know, I understand initially you wanted to see what happens. I get that. But it's been now a very long period of time. It's time to say, if you're still off work, to say no. That's a termination. It probably was a termination a while ago. Let's get severance and let's move on. If that's what you want to do, I want to talk to you. And again, 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010 to get on air with us. Jeff, thanks for taking the time today. Good afternoon, pal. How are you? 
good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Leo. First thing I want to say is I, 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 I am part of a union, and so I'll make that clear from the beginning. But I guess what's happened is I got hurt at work uh, back in April. Um, I've been off. I had to have spinal cord surgery. So I've been off on uh, workman's comp. My employer is now pushing me to go on long-term disability. I filled out those forms. I've been approved for long-term disability. They contacted me last week, said you're approved. But I'm just wondering, like, what would be the benefits of me going on long-term and not staying on workman's comp? I haven't been kicked off workman's comp. Well, the the only benefit may be if they would pay you a greater percentage of your your income. Uh, that's the only benefit. Yeah, because no, they like with with uh, workman's comp. I'm getting uh, eighty eighty three. I believe eighty three percent of my uh, gross, and WSIB is sixty percent of sixty uh, percent. So, but you know, usually the disability benefits are are not taxed. But it, it, right. if, in fact, for fin- from a financial standpoint, there's no difference. That there really is no point to to worry about that right now. Uh, the nice thing about uh, uh, the disability benefits is that it's uh, it's probably as long as your doctor supports you, it may be ultimately easier to to stay on it. But honestly, if you're getting still paid and and the amount is the same, you certainly can't double dip. You can't get both. No. So yeah, there really is I, no is no need to switch over to disability if WSIB is still content to pay you and they're not giving you a hard time and the money otherwise would be the same. There really is no value to you. Yeah, no, WSIB is not giving me a hard time. Like the only thing is, like I'm topping up WSIB to just pay pay into my to top up because they only give you eighty percent. So they're using my vacation stuff to top it up, uh, which is fine. But they 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 haven't been giving me a hard time. So I was just wondering why the employer would push me to go on. Well, oh, the, the reason the employer is because it may you, the longer you stay on the uh, on WSIB, it may impact their premiums, the WSIB premiums. Whereas it's not going to impact them in the same way, but that's between uh, your employer and WSIB has nothing to do with you. So from your perspective, you can ultimately decide what you want to do, but there's no obvious reason for you to switch over to disability benefits. I got you. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your help. Jeff, appreciate the uh, phone call and your time today. You can do like uh, Jeff, by the way, anytime, and that would be 416-872-1010 for the uh, the remainder of the hour. Interesting case, too. I mean, generally, you know, we, you know, you gave him some good advice there, Lior, but generally unionize employees when it comes to severance and getting their jobs back, so on and so forth. We kind of steer away from that, yeah? Well, we, we, the reason we steer away from that is only because, by law, a unionized employee has to have their issue resolved by the union. A unionized employee cannot hire a lawyer, cannot deal with their employer on their own. It has to be the union. And that's true even if the union is not really helping you. You can't say, okay, I'll forget about the union and go somewhere else. So it's not that I decide that I only want to help non-union employees. I'm not allowed. No lawyer is. That said, by the way, if you have an issue with your disability insurance company, so if your insurance company cuts you off or they're not approving you, that is actually something that in most cases we can help you. But in terms of dealing directly with your employer, usually, well, not usually, always, it has to be the union. And with that, more of your phone calls are coming up after a wee break, which we'll get into now. That number, 416-872-1010. Grab a phone to use it. we got lots of time, lots of open lines. We'd love to talk to you. And you can text your questions, too, to 71010 as we're just getting warmed up here on this Sunday. With the Employment Law Show, stick around. We're coming back.
Already we are at one uh, twenty Sunday afternoon back at it. John Scholes, Lior Samfiru here as well, of course, on a uh, on a Sunday, always inviting you to pick up the phone and make that call. You'll have questions about your employment life, workplace rights, your workplace. Uh, call us 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010. And we can read your texts as well if you want to do it that way, 71010. Uh, to reach out in that regard, beyond that, reaching Lior outside the show, emails, by the way, what we're going through today, a bunch of emails in the inbox that is help at employment lawyer.ca and then pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the website uh next one up let's see leor it's going to be our pal daryl says guys i was just given a termination letter that offers me 26 weeks severance after 13 years with my company the hr manager says that two weeks severance per year is standard doesn't make any sense to contact you in this particular circumstance what do you think pal well so first of all you know, let's start before we even talk about the severance offer itself. Let's start with the idea that there's no such rule ever as a week per year or two weeks per year. No, the factors are, of course, your age, your position, and the length of your employment. There's a few other factors, but those are the main factors that go into determining how much severance. For most people, that means a lot more, a lot more than two weeks per year. But beyond that, remember, it's your employer's interest for you to accept that offer. Okay, it's your job to make sure that you get proper severance. You cannot take your employer's word for it. You cannot well listen to your employer in that uh, sense that when they tell you, no, no, it's a good offer. 90% of the time, 90%, that offer that you've been made is bad. It's terrible. It's not worth accepting. So no, it, it's terrible idea to listen to your employer because you'll end up signing it and then realize, holy cow, I made a mistake but then you can't get out of it. Now let's talk about specifically this situation. 13 years, 26 weeks of severance. That's six months. That's about half of what he's owed. That's 50%. He'd probably be owed somewhere north of a year's severance. So that's a wrongful dismissal. Uh, the, the good news is as soon as I contact your employer and say, no, no, nonsense, he's owed much more, they'll come back and say, okay, yeah, fine, here's more. <laughs> so that's how easy it is to resolve this, but you can't accept that severance. So no, Daryl, you've been wrongfully dismissed. That's not a good offer. You cannot, should not accept it. Same with you at home. Doesn't matter if you work for 13 years, 13 months, 23 years. Uh, you're owed likely a lot more severance than whatever you've been offered. Call me. Let's talk about it. Use the severance calculator. You can find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Do the right thing before you accept that severance. Yeah, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, as I mentioned, a good place to go off the start, uh, Daryl, to make that calculation on you. It takes about 30 seconds. It's anonymous, and you can just shut down your browser when you're uh, when you're done for sure. 416-872-1010 to call the station now. Get on air with us. We'd love to, uh, love to talk to you. Moving on down the line, Dane is up next, says, uh, love the show, guys. Appreciate it. I've been off on a stress leave for two months, but don't want to go back to work because I'm afraid of how I will be treated. Is this a reality? What do I do about this? So first of all, obviously, you don't have to go back. You decide not to. But the real question is, does she or, or can she get compensation because of the fact that the, how she was treated? And the answer is yes. If she can show what it is in the workplace, what happened in the workplace to make her go off on stress leave or what makes her think that she's going to be treated badly, if she can prove that, 
Well, the law would consider that to be a constructive dismissal. There's a legal obligation on your employer to treat you properly, to treat you fairly, not to have a poison work environment, not to bully you, harass you. So if you're working in a bad work environment, that could be a constructive dismissal. You don't have to continue working there and you can get compensated. But the thing for Dana is how do we prove that? Does she have proof of being mistreated, something recorded, an email, a witness? If she has that, she may not have to go back to work and still get her full compensation. If she doesn't have that, I think my advice today now would be, well, why don't you, let's see if you can go back to work, even for a little while. If you're treated well, fantastic. If you're not treated well, if you're maybe harassed or bullied, let's at that point keep records of it. Send an email to someone confirming what happened or maybe record a conversation with your manager. Once we have that proof, that evidence, you can get out of there, you could get severance, and potentially that can only take a few days. So that's always my advice. If you feel you're being bullied, harassed, mistreated in the workplace, think in terms of evidence and proof. Do we have something to prove and show it? If you do, and if you can prove it, you have all kinds of rights. Again, 416-872-1010 to get on air. Jason, you're up next. Good afternoon, pal. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good, man. What's uh, what's your concern? I, I listen to you guys often, but I don't think I've ever heard this addressed. But I'm a long, long-term employee with a company. I'm looking to perhaps leave the company. If I give them, say, a month's notice for them to replace me. And they say to me, no, no, you're gone. Tomorrow we don't want you here because you're leaving. Is there any protection for me in that sense? Like, I, I haven't Absolutely. Yet, but Yeah. So what happens here, they'd have to pay you for those four weeks. So if okay. they want you gone today, of course they can do that, but they still have to pay you until what your last day was going to be. Uh, because essentially now they've terminated your employment, which they can do, and uh, they have to pay you four weeks. They don't have to pay you more than that because you were going to leave in four weeks anyway, but they right, have right. to pay you for those four weeks. So in a way, that's actually a good thing for you because you don't have to work those four weeks, but they still right. have to pay you for those four weeks. Uh, now, okay. if you were to do that and they were to say, you're gone and we're not going to pay you, then you just give me a call and I can help you get that resolved because, yeah, they would have to pay you for that time. Okay. Now, here's the second part. Um I'm entitled to a bonus yearly. It's based on the calendar year, but it's not paid out until, say, February the following year. So I was hoping to delay my departure until, you know, January 1st. Would they still be entitled to pay me that bonus? Or because it is based on the actual calendar year, it's just not paid until, I'm going to say, mid February. So they have to pay it anyway. You, they may not pay it in the February when everyone else gets it, unless at some point you signed a document like a bonus plan that makes it clear that you have to be physically there at work on the day that they pay the bonus. So if you sign something that says that, and, and it has to be very, very explicit, but if it does say that explicitly, then yes, they wouldn't have to pay it. But unless you sign something like that, even if you leave tomorrow, they would still have to pay you the bonus. Uh, in, again, may, maybe not until February, but they still have to pay it. Gotcha. Okay, thanks very much. That's very helpful. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you uh, listening so much as well. Any other concerns? If it uh, it comes up, you know that number to get a hold of Leor and the team. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, of course, just like Jason did, four one six eight seven two ten ten. It is just that simple to pick up a phone, ask your question, and get some clarity from uh, from Leor as well. It's too bad he had to give him the four weeks. You know, thirty year guy. Could too bad he couldn't just kind of say, you know, I'm thinking of leaving soon, guys, and maybe they fire him and he gets <laughs> severance based on thirty. 
years, but I guess, you know, that's that's wishful thinking. Oh, they, they may do it. I don't know, right? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, a smart company would not do that because they yeah. would understand that you would have to give this, pay this guy two years' pay. Uh, but I have seen it happen, believe it or not. Uh, but the general rule is, and this does actually come up, very often that you tell mm-hmm. them I'm leaving in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. No, you're gone today. Well, your employer still has to pay you until what your last day was going to be. Uh, and if they don't, you can call me and one letter from me gets that resolved. And that's based on your decision. So if you give them two months heads up and they fire you the next day, they owe you because you said it two months is whether your date of departure. Well, they have to pay you your termination entitlements or until your last day, whichever is less. Ah. So, so what? So if you were to say I'm leaving in five years and they let you go to that, doesn't mean they have to pay you for five years, right? right. They would have to pay you simply uh, your your whatever your full severance would be. But if your severance is uh, let's say eight months, but you're telling them you're leaving next month, they only have to pay you until then because you're going to leave then anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they what they cannot do, what your employer cannot do, is say, well, we're telling you to leave today, and therefore we're only paying you until today. That they cannot do. Does it have to be, as we always tell employers, has to be in writing if you do that? Same thing goes for the employee. Always give this to them in writing, right? So there's clarity. Uh, There'll never be a situation when you regret putting it in writing. So (laughs) yes, in writing, employer or employee, always the best way to do it. More time, lots more time. In fact, for you to give us a call, another half of the show is still ahead of us. 416-872-10 is how you go about doing that. And we'll continue to to whittle our way through the inbox. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca as we roll on more of the Employment Law Show right here on a Sunday afternoon. Stick around. We're coming right back. All righty. We're set to go. Let's get this happening. Uh, phone number, as you know, to uh, to reach the show. We'd love to talk to you, 416-872-1010. It's also a uh, massive email show today. So you want to come around and uh, join us in that regard. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and the text. 71010. We often tell you how to do that. The first one we got, and I was just, you know, it's funny, Leo, I was going to go here after we just talked about, you said, you know, record something, you know, with your boss or manager. And the text we got was, how can you record somebody without their consent? That's exactly where I was going with our next question. What do you think, pal? Well, good good timing. It is an important thing for everyone to understand. So you are allowed to record somebody without their consent, as long as you're part of the conversation that you're recording. So you can talk to me and record our conversation, even if I don't know about it. But again, as long as we're talking together. So so if you're talking to someone or you're talking to a group of people, you're able to record that conversation, even if they don't know about it. That's fine. What you cannot do ever, ever is record people without their consent when you're not part of the conversation. So you, you leave a recorder in the room and you leave the room and you're recording a bunch of people talking. That's a criminal offense. You cannot do that. So never, ever do that. But if you're speaking to someone, you want to record it, you want to have your phone recording in your pocket or uh, in your bag, whatever it is, you can do that. And in some cases, that could actually be helpful so that someone can't deny later on that they said certain things to you. So keep that in mind. Again, text number uh, 41, pardon me, 71010 is how you go. Uh, great, uh, great text here. It says full-time employee for 32 and a half years. 53 years old and have uh, full benefits and pension and bonus and have eight reporting to me, thinking that the uh, current restructuring, I might be made redundant. What can I expect, Lior? So uh, if you are made redundant, if you lose your job after all those years, you're probably owed right around 24 months of severance. That means 24 months of salary, 24 months of bonus, pension contribution, benefits, 
If you want to know if something needs to be included, you'd simply ask yourself, would I have received this over the next two years if I was still working? If the answer is yes, I would have, then yeah, you have to get that paid as part of your severance. So for you in in that situation, after all those years, 24 months, chances are, by the way, that if you are, as you say, made redundant and, and you're offered a separation package, that offer is going to provide for a lot less than that. I'm only saying that because that's what happens in 90% of the matters. So the good news is if that happens, now you know better, you know what you're owed, so you call me as soon as that happens. In fact, even if you think the offer is good, still call me. We want to dot our uh, I's and cross our T's and make sure that, that there's nothing we're missing. But at least now you know 24 months of everything is what you'd be looking at. And that goes for you as well. Listening uh, this afternoon, want to reach out to Lior and his team and have that chat uh, privately for yourself. You can do that. The option's always there, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca, uh, which is where we're going to go. Stevie's up next. These guys have been working for my employer for the last five years. They just told me that my job will end in six months, but in the meantime, my hours will be reduced from 40 to 30 hours a week. Can they do that? Absolutely not. Anytime you're looking at such a big change to your hours, to your pay, this idea of constructive dismissal should jump to mind right away. Your employer does not have that right. They don't have they don't get to make the decision to cut your hours from 40 to 30, to cut your pay that much, to to demote you, uh, to change your shifts, etc. If they make that, if they insist on it, you now have the power to say that's a constructive dismissal. You've terminated my employment, and because of that, I don't have to continue working, not for a day, not for a month, not at all, and now you have to pay me my full severance employer. Now, that's true in a normal situation. It's true if you've received notice of termination. Your employer can't change the terms of employment during that notice period. So it's a constructive dismissal. You don't have to do that. And uh, I don't see why you would ever agree to that. May as well, especially if you already know you're losing your job, may as well stop working now and still getting paid. So all the employer did there is, in a way, gave you a gift because you don't have to continue working. You still get paid, though. You know, it, it, that six-month deadline's coming from the employer. Let's reverse it going the other way. Say it was, you know, Steve saying, you know, I told my employer I'm leaving in six months. Do they still have to, same as always, give him the benefits, bonus, everything he had during hit the six months that he's calling for? Even though they didn't pull the plug, he is. They still got to make him whole, yeah? Absolutely. Now, listen, okay. if the employer uh, says, well, we want you gone today and they're willing to pay him his full severance, they can do that. They don't have to keep him for six months, okay. but they would have to pay whatever full severance. But if they're going to keep the employee for six months, then everything has to stay the same. Just like the employee can say, hey, employer, I'm telling you that I'm leaving in six months, but in the meantime, you're going to pay me double. Well, <laughs> the employer can't say, uh, I'm going to reduce your pay to half. It yeah. goes both ways. You can't change the terms of employment just because you want to. There's consequences for doing that. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we're uh, pulling from. And you got lots of time here on air with us as well. Lots of open phone lines at the station. The guys are standing by to, to talk to you, get you on air. 416-872-1010. Moving on down the line, Lior, it's going to be Ron. Ron's up next. His guys just came back from my disability leave. My company now says it doesn't believe that I am healthy enough to work, even though I am. Is there anything that I can do about that? Yeah, and it actually does happen sometimes where you're you're coming back and the company says, well, you know, we we don't really believe that you're well enough. We think that you, you still need to be off for longer. Well, guess what? 
they don't get to make that call. The only one that gets to make that call is your doctor. So if you have a letter from your doctor clearing you to go back to work, then your employer doesn't get to question that. They don't get to say, we don't believe it, and they don't get to ignore it. They have to do what your doctor says. So if your doctor says, yes, my patient here, this person is ready to come back to work, that is it. Now, if you're not doing a good job, your employer can engage in all kinds of performance improvement uh, measures, but they don't get to question your doctor. Now, if they're not sure that your doctor has all the information, they can ask you to get some more information from your doctor. Maybe say, hey, doctor, do you know that this person needs to lift uh, more than 40 pounds? Can you confirm that that's okay? That's a legitimate question to ask your doctor if, if they need clarification like that. But to say, no, no, we've decided we know better that you don't, you're not healthy enough to work, that's not legal, that's not proper. Remember, that doctor's note is really what decides if you can work, if you cannot, what accommodation you need. So always get that note. It's an interesting email that it was uh, Ron's employer saying that. You, you know, we're so used to the other way around, it's the employer saying, okay, you know, we think you've been off work long enough, you need to come back to work on Monday. Yeah, usually that's what happens. Like, yeah. you know, no, come on, you, you, you can't be off that long. You need to be back to work. But the answer for that situation is the same. The mm-hmm. doctors know, right? Yeah. Your doctor can decide if you're able to come back to work. If your doctor says, no, you need to be off for the next six months, your employer can't question that, demand a second opinion. Your doctor has the power with respect to anything to do with your ability to work. More phone calls, 416-872-1010. We love you uh, joining us. Jason, you're up next, pal. Good afternoon. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself, gentlemen? We're loving it, brother. What's going on with you today? I'm, I'm a self-employed contractor. I have a staff of about 15 people that work for my organization. I do seasonal roofing and restoration work. I wanted to ask, you know, I, obviously we've been a family business many, many years, and I always try to do right by my employees to make sure that they're well compensated and well taken care of. But I wanted to see if you guys could chat a little bit about how because everything seems to be employee centric and Mm -hmm. i'd like for you to talk a little bit more about companies and what our obligations are when you're dealing with seasonal employees a lot of times i'll lay my staff off at christmas time uh due to the fact that we just you know it's inclement weather uh we can't work in january and february so a lot of them will go on 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 unemployment and then come march april when the weather gets better we rehire them or we'll keep a couple of guys on sort of emergency standby just in case we get any emergency leaks over the winter but how does it well i want to make sure i'm doing the right thing here as an employer but how do i how do the laws apply to seasonal workers that you generally lay off uh, awesome question yeah so so there's certain jobs that the law assumes and everyone assumes are seasonal you know roofing a certain construction job you know if you're a snow removal person clearly it's a seasonal job so it with seasonal work it's assumed that you're only going to work during the season and you're going to be off work during the off season so you don't really need to be to do too much there because it's understood and and, and that's just the nature of the job now there's some jobs that they're not necessarily seasonal but some years you may have work, some years you don't. The best way you can protect yourself and not breach your employee's rights is to have an employment agreement in place with your employee that gives you the ability to change hours if you need to, that gives you the ability to lay off if you need to. 
And then you can do that legally. What you can't do necessarily is decide, well, I've, this year I'm not as busy as I want to, so I'm just going to lay off a bunch of employees and not pay them anything. That you can't no, you, do legally. So that employment agreement. Usually what happens, sir, is that we, we sort of reach a point where the weather drastically affects the ability to get in 35, 40 hours uh, yeah. a week on oh, yeah. average. So it actually makes better sense for them to go on unemployment just to help mm-hmm. offset their shortage of hours, you know, and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and with the third week of December. And with roofing, that is usually how it works. So, so that's kind of assumed that that's the right thing to do. So I think you're fine there. But there's certain jobs that sometimes you can work year-round. Other years, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But having an employment agreement, always good advice for you to give you that flexibility that you need. Jason, we got to run into a break. We're up against the clock, but uh, we'll uh, continue that conversation. You can on the outside with Lior, 1-855-821-5900. Fred, you're up next. Stand by. And for you as well, give us a call, 416-872-1010. We continue with more of the Employment Law Show. Hang in there. All righty, we're back, 149 on your Sunday. Love doing the show. Love having you with us, 416-872-1010 to call in and talk, get some questions answered. Fred, thank you for being so patient, pal. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. What's your concern? Uh, I have a son who's 40 years old. He's developmentally delayed. He's working part time for a uh, a large firm, large Canadian firm. He gets uh, maybe uh, a minimum of four hours a week, but usually a bit more than that, up to a maximum of maybe uh, 40, where he's hit that once or twice. But my question is, if they decide to let him go which is a po- always a possibility with a person with disabilities, what uh, rights or whatever does he have, if any? So he absolutely would be owed severance. And, and because of, of some of his challenges, it may mean that he's owed even more severance only because it may be harder for him to find another job or it may take him a bit longer to find another job than someone else would. So how long has uh, he been there in total? He's been, I think, a senior two and a half or three and a half years. So I mean, I'm, someone I'm, is... very, I'm pretty proud he's got a job, so... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I would assess him as being owed potentially as much as six months of severance. And that means based, so we would look at an average what he earns in a week. So, you know, let's say in his last year, if he earned X amount per week, that's the amount that we're going to, we would use to calculate his severance. Uh, and it could right. be anywhere from four to six months. And I'm, I'm only saying something as high as six, given the, some of the challenges that, that you've outlined. If those challenges didn't exist, it'd probably only be three months. Uh, but but, uh, but that's what he'd be looking at. So they are allowed to let him go if, if ultimately make that decision, but they would have to pay him that severance. Absolutely, Fred. Okay, well, perfect. Well, thank you very much for your help. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate you taking the time to call. Any further information first, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can go there. There is a contact button at the top right, or simply call Leorna's team uh, with your son, 1-855-821-5900. Working down the line we are. Bob, thanks for standing by. You are next, pal. How are you this afternoon? Fine, thanks. Um, so this is just a situation where uh, a buddy of mine has uh, agreed to find uh, work for me, kind of like an agent. As uh, I'm, a, I'm a contractor, I do uh, construction work, and I'm not very good at the computers and stuff like that. So the, uh, uh, this fellow, he, he find work for me, and I'll, I'll give him a commission. 
And mm-hmm. we started out with kind of like a salary commission, and then we went over to commission only because uh, we get lots of work. Um, but if I ever wanted to stop um, working all together, like retire or, or just uh, go on my own and do something else like a, a, some other pursuit, uh, would I owe this person severance? Because he, he mentioned something about, he joking, almost jokingly mentioned about how to think of the severance because it's been like 12 years that we've been doing this. But uh, he's also, I think, uh, has worked out of, he's always worked out of his own house, and we always had meetings at his house rather than over at my shop. Um, so I don't really think of him as an employee, really, but we've been working together. He calls me a client to all the, all the, uh, right. all the people that I work for, that he gets the work for me. So I wonder what would happen in that situation. I don't mind paying a reasonable severance, but 12 years is going to be, it could be quite expensive if it's real severance. So, so his job is to find work for you, to find jobs for you. And if he does, whatever you make on that job, you give him a, you give him a certain percentage. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. So he's not an employee. He is likely what we call a dependent contractor as opposed to an independent contractor. He's a dependent contractor. That simply means that a contractor that focuses mostly on one client. Now, what that means is if in fact you decide to end the relationship, you no longer need his services, there will be severance obligations. And uh, what that means, and after 12 years, that could be substantial. You could be looking at a year's pay based on average earnings. The best way to get around that potentially is if you know that you're going to be retiring at some point, then give them notice. So if you say, okay, I know that I'm only going to work in 2024, and at the end of the 2024, I'm done, then tell them in writing, just so you know, I'm retiring in 2024. I'm giving you this 12 months notice. If you give them, if you give them sufficient notice, you won't have to pay them any severance. But that's how you do this. The best way to, to, to get around that obligation is to give as much notice as possible of the termination of the, of the relationship. Does that, does that work? Does that make sense, Bob? Oh, that should be that should be great. And yeah, yeah. okay, that's that's great. I I, I think when people are reasonable with the with each other. They never have to end up in court. I think. I yeah, agree completely. I agree. That's true. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks yeah. very much. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. Any further questions? You can always reach out if there's any uh, confusion before you uh, make that particular move. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get ahead of the uh, get ahead of Lior. Just uh, rounding up another phone call here. I want to slide over, get a quick email in. This one from Bill says, "Lior, whenever I go on vacation, my boss sends me many emails and expects me to answer them right away. I end up doing a couple hours of work a day when I'm supposed to be on holiday. Anything I can do about that?" Well. Yes and no. So what I mean by that is legally you do not have to uh, answer those emails. You cannot be penalized for it. You can't be fired for not working while you're off work. So so right off the bat, it's an easy answer. But there's a practical thing that you just need to consider. Yes, your employer won't be able to fire you for it, but can they ultimately hold that against you without you even knowing it? Maybe they won't consider you for a promotion. Uh, you know, maybe they won't consider you for you know moving up in the organization. Something to think about. But from a legal standpoint, you don't have to answer those emails. You don't have to do work on vacation, and your employer can't fire you or punish you because of it. Let's get Nora on the line here. Nora, thank you for taking the time this afternoon. Go ahead. What's your question? Okay, I'm going to make Mark talk instead of me. So go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark. So I'm talking about my son. Yeah. Hi. 
Uh, no, he had a seizure at work, and he went on short-term disability. Now it's turned into a, a diagnosis of epilepsy. Uh, but during the course of this, uh, he went on short-term, then they put him on long-term, and long-term was only 900 and something a month, not much to live on. Then they repeatedly called him and tried to harass him into going back. They told him that his long-term was running out. In fact, it was only at the last moment we found out that his long-term could have been extended. They never told us that until they were kind of backed into a corner. It's just like the insurance company didn't want to help him. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like he's been getting the right amount of money on long-term. I certainly don't like how they harassed him. In fact, to the point at one point where they called him, they were telling him they were cutting him off. He had to go back to school. He was so stressed, he went into another series of seizures that very night. Wow. Wow. Um, Instead of an ICU. And, and not, oh. yeah, yeah. We have the transcript, too. We have the transcript where he was like, I'm, you know, I'm now resting more. I understand this, this, and this. And she was just like, no, you, you can't go back to work. Their work isn't going to hire you. And I'm like, how did she know that? So, so let, 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 let me, let me kind of get into it here because we're almost out of time on the show. But I know. ultimately, the disability insurance company should be paying him uh, or can be paying him until the age of 65. So there's no cutoff date that's arbitrary. And ultimately, they have to do or should be doing what his doctor says. So if his doctor says he's not able to come back to work, the insurance company should pay him. Now, if they're giving him a hard time, if they're cutting him off or threatening to cut off, they need to hear from my team. We have a whole team in the office dealing exclusively, exclusively with these disability insurance issues. So I want you or your son to call me off air. I'll connect you with one of my partners that deals with that. They'll also be able to review the insurance policy to confirm the right amount that they should be paying him. But certainly do not deal with the insurance company on your own. If in fact, they're giving you that hard a time, let us do it and see how uh, better things get. Nora, please reach out. Now that we're again, we're up against the clock. We got to fly out of here. Same number, though. Same number. Don't hesitate to use it. We look forward to uh, to your call. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, as we get out of here, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and that website for all other matters. Even before the phone call, you probably know it by now. That's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Thank you so much for all your phone calls, emails, correspondence. Love having you around for the hour. We'll do it all again next Sunday. Right here on the Employment Law Show. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.